Oh, sir, I don't like it. Welcome to No Sir Pod. I am Carmen Morales, your host, as always. You know, it's a fun podcast where me and very funny people, or just me, just uh, have a chat about some shit we don't like. I don't know if this episode is going to be that. Uh, probably, de- probably, most definitely going to talk about some things I don't like. But it was. It's going to be the only recount. Uh, just because I've gotten several messages uh, in uh, all the assorted social medias. Everybody wants to know, how did it go? What how would happen? So in order for me uh, to tell you, I'm only going to tell the story once. Um, and uh, and I'm going to have uh, my friend, past guest friend of the podcast, friend of mine, probably best friend, yeah, Katie Hughes, ladies and gentlemen. She's going to be here to help me re- regale you uh, with a recount of what happened this past week uh, for the big old HBO Taperoonie. Hello. Hi, Katie. How are you? It's been so long since I've it's been seen so long. you. I don't. I, it's been I, almost three days. Oh my! Almost, almost. I'm counting the hours. It's been too long. <laughs> uh, I'm going to start off by saying uh, thank you uh, for coming to New York City with me. Because had you not, I do think I might have snapped had I not had my quiet asshole friend to make fun of me whenever I was getting overwhelmed. Without that, <laughs> I. I think I would have I think I would have I would have gone oh this is why bitches go crazy um this is why <laughs> this is why a lot of managers don't want to represent women because of how emotional they get um it was <laughs> um a bit I'm your emotional service animal basically. yeah that's right you fly for free right you should get on a plane for free I should. um I gotta get a baby Bjorn uh, a big baby Bjorn and then you could just ride on my chest and I'll feed you little bagels thank you because my feet do hurt still <laughs> I won't be walking anywhere in the future it's i'm glad you've offered that because i will take you up on it i'll have i'll have the bjorn made but you will have to wear it yes <laughs> you could go backpack or you could go front seas if you want to be the first one you know if you want to ride the front of the roller coaster ride the back <laughs> just depends my feet will drag on the ground just like when my mom would like try to sneak me into movies when i was like <laughs> Yes, because you are like probably six or seven inches taller than me. So it does uh, the height differential. Pretty hilarious. Um, It is funny that that is something that I didn't like that. It was uh, was also a rookie move on both of our parts. I still wanted like I had bought over the pandemic. I had bought cool shoes as that was, you know, everybody gets hooked up on on buying something right that and the the algorithm uh, for the most part, as I've mentioned previously, does think I'm a black woman. But what what they do know about me that is accurate. uh, It's true. They're always trying to sell me shit. uh, That's not my demo. It's not my demo. But, you know, whatever. Uh, A lot of lot of a lot of (laughs) a lot of black owned businesses. Uh, That's how I got my outcast sweatshirt. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it works. Um, A lot of weaves and like hair extensions the shit I would never use a lot of fried chicken sandwiches also got me with that one um and uh but what they do know about me is i do love shoes and over the pandemic i bought these cool adidas shoes i bought these cool boots and um and i didn't want to wear them uh first of all because i didn't go anywhere was i gonna wear them around the house look at how cute it look (laughs) 
Look at look at dog. Look at how cute my shoes are. Um, but the rookie move, and it was both of us because you bought a new pair of shoes while you were in New York. Is uh, let's buy new shoes and then walk copious amounts uh, of mileage in them, um, which again is just going to make your feet hurt. And uh, <laughs> we both did that. <laughs> I got to tell you, the new shoes were preferable to the old shoes, which were letting in all of the New York street water because I, <laughs> unlike you i have not bought a pair of shoes since quarantine started uh so because my my instagram knows i'm a, a white lady who wants to grow mushrooms on her kitchen counter <laughs> your algorithm just gets you you know and so I, I did try to do that and they all um turns out the sweltering swamp that is atlanta is not a friendly uh, no. Do you get molds? The, you get no to, way you didn't get. Uh, no, I got pink. I got pink mold on it, and I had to throw everything away. It was very, <laughs> very expensive trash visit, you know. Um, so the shoes I bought on the the last day or the second to last day I was there uh, were, I guess, it was the last day. Yeah, uh, were preferable to the shoes I had, and um, but yeah, I just I'm not used to physical movement. <laughs> yeah, when you're down, it. yeah. And not only that, that was a rookie move on my part, especially the last night, not only was I wearing brand new boots that I'd maybe walked 15 steps in prior to putting them on. I also was wearing like fishnets, which were rubbing my feet completely raw. Uh, it was brutal. And we walked like for 40 minutes because we had walked and we walked all the way back to the hotel from the venue and uh, ouch. Ouch. I think that was also the reason why yeah. the next day I was like, I was completely vertical or excuse me, horizontal the entire day. I was like, <laughs> fuck this. <laughs> um, but it did start with, uh, I flew to New York city, um, on Monday and then Monday night, I, um, I was just kind of like getting acclimated, went and got some, uh, like I wanted to go I was already excited. I already had a very, it was a very comedy festival vibes that I was just like, oh, I can't, I can't, I was anticipating all the fun that was about to happen. So yeah. I was over eager. And um, so I just went and got a cocktail to chill the fuck out. Little weed, um, little snackies. And uh, and then everybody was like, they were all going to go out at, at like midnight. That was when they, because New York City, oh, why would you ever... You know, the city don't sleep, baby. Um, don't so, sleep. People, yeah. so everybody was going to go out late, but we had a 9 a.m. call time for the photo shoot the next day. So I was like, well, I'm not going to. Everybody already tells me how fucking tired I look all the time as it is. I'm not going um, to this photo shoot without some sleep. So I was like, maybe I'll just dose myself with some uh, edibles. Right. Force myself to sleep. Not too many, so then I don't I, I don't wake up, and then uh, I'll go and uh, and I'll do that. So I did wake up. What was funny? I found out afterwards after I got home that my dad was worried that I wasn't gonna wake up in time, so he wanted my mom to call me and wake me up. And my mom's like, you know, she's a grown fucking woman, right? You know, she's got an alarm on her phone. She doesn't need her mommy to wake her uppy. <laughs> Which is also a testament to to how. Um, how incapable of uh, doing anything my dad thinks that I am. Um, but I woke up, uh, got there on time. Um, and if anything, I guess it was early because I was there before even a lot of the production people. So I was like, oh, is it like a loose nine? Should I have showed up at like 1030? Um, I go there and 
Mind you, I worked with the the photo shoot day was very up and down as far as emotions goes because I worked with maybe one of the coolest photographers I'd ever worked with. His name was Josh. Don't remember his last name. Um, I have to find. I still have to find him on Instagram. But he was, was the Josh best. Oh, I don't know. Maybe Josh Dickinson's a New York photographer who does like he does more like editorial like product stuff. But I know he's like a big bigger name. Mm-hmm. So that's my input on that. He <laughs> look him up, guys. Look him up. Yeah. But uh this dude, Josh, he, and he looked he's like super skinny, uh shaved head, um round, rounded glasses, but feel like super personable, made everybody feel comfortable. It was like rad. It was so awesome. Um, because I'm already weird about that shit as it is, you know, like how does it look? And he was it was great. He had his you've laptop set up. Hmm? You've done photography before you took my yes. old shots mm-hmm. and behind the camera. You're very personable. So I'm surprised in front of the camera. Cause like I'm super uncomfortable. Like I think everybody probably, unless they're a narcissist, hates getting their picture made. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, it's just really weird because it makes you like doubt everything. You're like, how do I smile? Like, yes. do I look into the camera? Do I look like what do I what does my face look like? Yeah, it's very stressful. Yeah. And it's almost like the the way you take like I think every model has to be I think you can't be a model unless you are a narcissist. There's just no way. There's no way that you can just get all like mm, uh, 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 like and and I'm saying that as a person who's like sexted with people, you know, via exchange of photographs, and it's like I got to take it and send it and immediately delete it. I can't just you know like <laughs> like I'd rather show my tits than my face. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like don't put this online if it's got any of my facial features yeah exactly (laughs) the only way it's revenge porn is if they know my true identity exactly exactly so uh and and that's the other thing too is like there what there is a lot of that uh i mean when you're exchanging things intimately but then there's also an element of that like there's a huge difference between the dynamic of a photographer and the sitter as well. Like I took like some dude in Los Angeles was like, Oh, I want to take, I'd love to take your pet. Like, I love your comedy. I'd love to take your photograph. And then I went and it sucked and the vibe was weird and uncomfortable. And guess what? The photos were not good because it was weird and uncomfortable. And like, if somebody's cat, like if the old thing is true about photographs, like just capturing your soul, you'll see it you'll see how uncomfortable someone is. Mm-hmm. And, um, so there was like, uh, he was super chill. The, the makeup artist was super cool. Um, I met the dude. So you ended up meeting a uh, Braden. He was doing the interviews and stuff. He was great. Mm-hmm. Braden and Jason, that was the two of them. They were the inseparable twins is what I called him. He was the Arnold Schwarzenegger. And then we had a much more attractive version of uh, the Danny DeVito. Um, impossible. <laughs> Danny DeVito is the peak of attractiveness. Yeah. <laughs> yes, there the only reason you ever even watch uh it's uh, it's always sunny is, you know, for that eye candy, that Danny DeVito sweet sweet eye right. candy. Um and uh, I had a stylist. Um uh, that's right. I went full throttle on this. This was a, the biggest deal that's ever happened to me. I got my teeth bleached, Katie, did I tell you that? Okay. I so I want I was going to ask you cuz the pictures of us next to each other your teeth are like gorgeous, like little pearls. And I look like I have candy corn in my mouth. <laughs> and I was like, are my teeth that yellow or are her teeth that white? And now I feel better. Not great, but better. <laughs> I did. I got them bleached for it. And, and well that, done. 
It was well. I had had a credit. I had a credit with my dentist because there were there was they thought something was going to be need to be done and then there wasn't. So then there was like a credit there. So I was like, oh, okay, well, if this is you know, I don't want them. And they, t- I guess after they told me after they already did the procedure that I didn't really need it that much. And then I was like, well, fuck you. Why did you? What the fuck? I could have white strip like crest white stripped it. Um, so I hated that. I hated that. But then they did this thing where they they put this gel shit on your teeth and then they and then they put a, a UV light in your mouth and it like burned my fucking gums. Like I did, was not a fan of that either. Um, not a fan. Probably would never do it again. If I'm being completely honest, I'll just brush, I guess. I guess well, I'll just start. You've, got, you've gone through half of your life with, <laughs> and now like now they're at their pinnacle again and it's all downhill from here. Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah, dude. I'm probably not going to live double this. Like, like I think I'm, I'll probably die before my teeth get, to where they were before I bleached them, right? Like, I mean, we can pray, right? <laughs> Dear Jesus, I hope I die before my teeth even become eggshell. <laughs> yeah, what are those? The paint chips? I don't want to. I don't. I don't, don't want to see. I don't want to see how. I'm, but it's like it's also this. You know, this is like I, you could tell. It was like that's how I told it, is, is I could tell I, I did a podcast afterwards. Um, the last episode, the one with Ian Bag, and and I could t- I could see in the, like, I just kept like rubbing my tongue against my because I was just like, wow, that's it just doesn't look even doesn't even look real, you know. It, it looks just, great. Like, I I just thought you'd been brushing really good. Now I want to get it done because I don't want to. <laughs> I want to make other people feel like they have you know <laughs> pennies for teeth and stuff. You know? <laughs> math mouth. I've never even done math. What do you what what's happening? Um, so yeah, so I was all the diet coke and cigarettes. I promise. That's no. how <laughs> you should just get them covered with diet coke cans. You know how Ooh, they, they like people, cute. yeah, people cover them with that that foil. You know they do the fake silver teeth. Yeah. They use the foil from the gum, and you could do it with a uh, diet coke can. So you could get diet coke coke can implants in your teeth. I had somebody at a show offer. Um, her boyfriend makes grills and she was like, I'll send you a gold tooth and I'm still waiting. So <laughs> Ooh, which big, one? This the big one. Oh yeah, dude. The little snaggle tooth. tooth. Man, our, our uh, old school mutual friend used to love a snaggle tooth. Maybe that's why he liked you so much. Mike Allen yeah. loved yeah. a snaggle tooth. <laughs> He's like, I don't like all of them. You know, sometimes, you know, chicken pull off a little snaggle tooth. It looks good. Yeah. You like, get a little cotton mouth and get stuck yeah. on it. <laughs> Just like a cute puppy when they get their yeah. teeth back on their dry. Mm-hmm. The um, so yeah, so I I was trying to do it right. I hired a stylist um because they gave us a li- gave us a little bit of a budget for a uh, wardrobe. So I was like, oh, I'll hire a bitch to make me look like I uh, dress uh for myself. <laughs> Like I know how to dress myself. I'll pay a person to make me look like I know what I'm doing. And um, Cat Eves, she did a she did a great job. That was yeah. another roller coaster, which we'll get into. Um, so she had picked out this outfit for me, and it's been the most complimented outfit I think I've worn in years. And it was where I was wearing this long tunic um in this cropped uh venom top venom uh, jacket and uh, the venom jacket acted like a cinch you know like a like a fucking belt or something like that so it didn't look like i was wearing a bata like i didn't look like i was wearing a fucking house coat because if i was just wearing the tunic it just looked like i was where i i fucked a football player and uh i was wearing his shirt <laughs> it was just a big fucking shirt and um 
So whatever, we're going this whole thing, uh, having a great time doing the photo shoot. And then this create the creative team shows up from HBO. And there is one in particular person um, who is just, you know, just a kind of like a void of fun. You know, you ever have somebody like a presence walk into a room and everything just gets darker. It just immediately turns into a goth club, right? Nobody's having a good time. That were those were the kind of vibes. And she just kept telling, she was just kept saying, Oh, can you open your jacket so that we can, Oh, can you open your jacket? And I was like, well, the point of the jacket is to keep it in. And then, so I took some pictures with the jacket open and it looks like I'm wearing a big fucking shirt. It looks horrible. It looks bad. And, uh, and everybody else is in agreement with me. The, 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 the stylist, obviously, because she's the one that dressed me, but the makeup artist, the photographer, everybody's like, yeah, it looks better with it closed. And, uh, <laughs> and of course she's like this beam pole, fucking skinny broad, you know, probably doesn't have, probably doesn't book any fat chicks. Right. So that's the other thing too, is I was like, look, I get it, lady. You look good in whatever you wear. Right. But, uh, fat chicks, we got to look at, we got to look good and look good in a particular look. That's the, we got to feel comfortable, whatever. <clears throat> and then of course, of course, for some reason, I guess she took it personally because that I that I me and the stylist both told her that I wanted to be comfortable and I wasn't comfortable with it open, even though we had already took and taken photos and I already obliged her and did the thing. Hmm. And she starts fucking doing this weird mean girl thing where she's going talking to like, oh, this the art director and this one, and she's like whispering to says in the fucking cinch and then like talking shit about the thing. And I was like, bitch, I swear to God, like whatever. So, uh, so that was weird. Like it was just, it was just because I was already uncomfortable as it was taking my photo. And then somebody's just like telling me to take pictures that purposely make me look worse, I right. guess, you know, I, it was just bizarre. Um, ne had never ex like, I had never dealt with that with adults. I was like, what's happening right now? What's, mm -hmm. what are you doing? Um, and then uh, I did a costume change, very slutty. Uh, and by that, I just mean you could see my tits a little bit. Um, <laughs> and uh, uh, super, that was super fun. And I did the interview. Um, so the photo shoot goes good. Then we had, we did do like, uh, it, they were called doubles, where it was me and Alfred. My buddy Alfred Robles was also recording, uh, you know, filming a 15 minutes as well. So we were both like taking pictures together. So then it just looks like kind of like a sitcom. Like we're just like, oh, this is this is my Hispanic family show. Like it was yeah. a lot of CBS kind of poses and These stuff. These are your engagement photos. Yeah, yeah, it was kind of that vibe. And so like and I think that made him uncomfortable because in a lot of the image like in a lot of the pictures, he looks like <laughs> like and I was like, hey, we're not we're not really together. <laughs> like, I don't, I hope you know that. I hope you know that. I don't I think, think you that. stand back to back. We did stand back to back. Yes. Oh, yeah. And then we stood front, we stood front to front. Like we were going to fight each other too, which was also weird. Interesting. Um, yeah. It was bizarre. It was like, what is, what is the angle? Are, is this a competition? Um, Only one of our specials will air. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, so whatever the the photo shoot was there was there was still some good stuff to be had i, I felt uh, okay about it even though the thing was weird um the interview went pretty good um i, I talked too much uh, as i tend to do and then um what kind of questions did they ask you they ask you like basic bitch why do you do comedy questions or do they ask you like anything interesting that you haven't been asked before um definitely not things i'd never been asked before but the 
it became more interesting. Um, you know, he was like, I got to ask you these questions because like people want to know how you started comedy and how you, you know, got into it, blah, blah, blah. And then he started asking me about like a New York specifically, like my relationship with New York and why I like, why I cared about, uh, recording this on HBO and why I cared about, you know, New York City, if I did care about New York City, how I felt about the city. So those two questions were way more interesting because cool. I'd never really gotten to talk about how like for like because this is all like shit that I just talked to myself about because just because it would never be a conversation I would have with anybody else. But when you high functioning anxiety, I've had all the conversations with me already. We've yeah. already talked it out, you know, and, and that was one of the things like I was never a big um, and I like it and I would do it. I'm not saying that, but I was never a big late night person. Like I never really, uh, I liked Johnny Carson, but that was like the last time I really liked, uh, you know, uh, or would watch late night sh shows religiously was, uh, Johnny Carson. And, um, and, uh, so I was like, to me, the only thing that really matters is an HBO special for some reason, like HBO, like everybody that I look up to, like, um, you know, when Louis did his bag of dicks special and fucking just everybody that was mattered in comedy eventually was on HBO, had a mm -hmm. HBO, either a half hour or an hour or whatever, or was in what was, there was like the, even the HBO showcase, like HBO was just a fucking cool kid place <clears throat> to have your stand up. Yeah. I don't know if you have like, I don't know if you have, I, I, for just for some reason I had HBO up on a pedestal for some reason. I don't know if you have that kind of relationship with HBO at all, but. No, I think it's definitely the most premium of content when it comes to like cable channels, like before streaming services. But even now, like, you know, it's not like Hulu's putting out any comedy specials and Netflix has had like some hits, but they've also had many, many misses to the point where it's almost like oversaturated. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I'm sure people have comedy stuff on Netflix that doesn't even come up in the queue. Yeah, for sure. Um, There's and just then Prime, so much. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then like Prime, they have some specials, but I always feel like those are like, it almost is like YouTube to a point where it's like, you could have just uploaded this yourself. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot on there that aren't good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, a lot of it is, uh, it's like that, which is, I mean, that's also, yeah, I get it. Put your shit out wherever you can. But if for some reason that like HBO always, always mattered to me. And I think it's because of the way that they curate. They've mm -hmm. always curated it. Like, um, Netflix is an avalanche of abundance. You know, there's something we'll just, we'll throw as much money at all of this stuff. Yes. We'll make everything. They'll like something eventually. Right. Mm -hmm. And then if they didn't like what you had, then we don't give you money again. But the problem with that is, is when you throw so much at someone to consume, they're not going to be able to focus. Like, it's just like, uh, you know, it's, that's why so many people end up fucking scrolling through Netflix, looking for something to watch more than they actually watch anything, you know? Well, it's, it, yeah, that's interesting. Cause it's like, if you're already famous and you're, you're on Netflix, people be like, Oh, I have to watch the new, whatever special on Netflix. Um, but then that doesn't mean that they're going to watch necessarily like the interesting stuff that's on Netflix. Uh, you know what I mean? Like where it's like, Oh, like for example, the Dave Chappelle special, Tons of people watch that even though they didn't like it. Yeah. Knew they wouldn't like it. And instead of looking for something that might be more interesting to them, even if it's 15 minutes or part of a series, like the one they recorded here, like the lineup, I think it was called or something like that. Or yeah. like mm -hmm. the degenerates was good. Like, but I haven't heard a lot of like hype about those because they're not like 
you know, ultra yeah. famous. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. I, I, and I think that was, that was my, my relationship with HBO is they, they've always picked well, like even, uh, when you're talking about series and stuff like that, like yeah. I can't, I can't tell you how many times I've heard people say, Oh, I got, I had, I had to re up my HBO so I could watch this one particular show. There's a new season of this. Even people that were broke were like, I, uh, you know, boardwalk empire, whatever the fuck it was. Uh, oh, same. I canceled Hulu so I could watch, um, curb your enthusiasm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You but it is much switch. more of a jumping off point for like comedians who might not be as well known. Like, I mean, like a Gerard Carmichael where they had, you know, I'm sure his fans know him, but then they gave him a special and then they wanted a relationship with him. And yeah. it was a good jumping off point versus like getting buried in the, so yeah, the curation is key. Yeah. Um, so that, I guess that was probably my favorite part is being able to, cause I never, I'd never really had that conversation with anyone. So it was interesting that he would ask me that. Cause I was like, Oh, you're tapping into a, a conversation I had with myself probably like eight or nine years ago, you know? Yeah. Um, so that was a w- way more of an interesting question. And then um, Tuesday night, Tuesday night, what was it? Tuesday night, we had a uh, dinner. So many dinners, Katie. I don't like these. I, I got to eat one of them. <laughs> they had dinner Tuesday night, and it was with all the because there was also a, another sh- the show they were taping was of ours, and then they were also doing a um, a comedy competition. Latinx people competing, doing stand up, and then the two. The uh, you know, or it was the cool thing that they did is it was a competition, but there wasn't any set amount of winners. That was another thing that I liked. It was just like the people that we think are the best ones out of this are getting a 15 minute, which is what I was doing. Right. So mm. the people were all competing to do the thing that I was doing. So they were all there. And then Ida Rodriguez was there. And then all like a lot of the HBO uh, folks were there. And we went to this cool place in little Italy, um, which by the way, I, I love the idea of Little Italy, but it's definitely not that anymore. Like, um, there, there's parts of it where it's like Chinatown has definitely like started coming into it. And there's definitely parts of it where people have just gotten out, you know? And, uh, and I think now there's, it's just a lot of either business owners that are like, fuck you, I'm not leaving. Right. And, uh, I'd rather run it into the ground than sell it to you, um, Mm. to, it's I'm just it's a little bit of it has lost the Italian minutia of it, you know, mm-hmm. um, but the place we went to was rad and um, everybody was like kind of having a chat and that was nice. Ida was like being inspiring. By the way, Ida Rodriguez, you should definitely go listen to her. Uh, go watch her new hour. It's called Fighting Words. She I started watching it. Did. It was good so far. Like what I've watched so far, then I did do something. But yeah, I liked it. I'm going to finish it. I didn't yeah. turn it off because I didn't like it. But yeah. <laughs> she I got was, distracted. That, she was, <laughs> that was a funny uh, conversation that I had with her about that is like the, you know, because a little behind the curtain for people who might not know, whenever somebody does a special, they usually are using footage from more than one set. So it's not just one show they film it. And I mean, that also happens, but usually not. Usually mm-hmm. you get more than one show, anywhere from like one to four. And yeah. then they cut it all together. You were in the same outfit. They try to keep it, you know, continuous. A, a funny one as an example is if you ever go back and watch it, the TJ Miller special, the pattern, because he squirts water on himself, the pattern of water 
changes from cut to cut and Mm -hmm. you can definitely tell which show is which um but what i loved about uh ida is talking to hers is the name of the special is fighting words and part of the reason is a lot of the shit she says is provocative and it makes people uncomfortable and she talks about things in a very direct way and um in one of this one of the sets that they filmed the audience got uncomfortable and got quiet and got weird. And the other set that she did, it was just seamless laughs the whole way through. They got everything. And she wanted like, and she, she had a hand in editing her own thing. So she wanted to keep some of the uncomfortableness in there. And like, whereas normally you'd want, like, I just want, I wanted them to know I'm killing. I want them to know what I'm, you know, and she chose to like keep the uncomfortableness part of it because she likes, it makes more sense if it's fighting words. I want you to see that it makes people uncomfortable too. It's not always just going to be easy all the way. Everybody agrees with me all the time type of shit. And I just thought that was a very interesting choice and like a, you know, it made, it made sense. Very confident choice. Yeah. Yeah. Very confident choice. Um, and it's also cool that she's putting it out there that it's not like she bombed or whatever the fuck, you know, because it wasn't that either. It wasn't that she was bombing. It was just like, I think people were just kind of watching her with their eyebrows raised, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so anyways, that was a, that was a cool thing. Uh, then Wednesday comes Wednesday. My friend Katie arrives in New York city, uh, 6 AM flight, her choice. I don't know why. Um, <laughs> I wanted, I, well, I'm insane. So I wanted to, I want my genuine fear is that like the later in the day that you take a flight, the more likely it is to get postponed or canceled. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you get the first flight in the day, you have like the least shot of getting it fucked up and also the most shot of sleeping on the thing and having nobody next to you because nobody else wants to fly at 6 a.m. You're right. right. You're right. So it's going to be, I, I hate flying no matter what. So I'm, I'm like, let me maximize. Like, I'm not going to sleep the night before. Like, I never do. You know what I mean? Same. Like, it's never I, same. I, it doesn't matter if my flight's at 11 a.m., 6 a.m., fucking whatever. Like, I can't sleep. I can't sleep the night before. I don't know. I got why. your dad in my head going, you're going to miss it. Somebody <laughs> needs to call you. <laughs> same same I, I always just go well i just won't sleep i can't miss it if i just won't sleep so mm-hmm. um and i'm what's fucked up is i'm more likely to miss a later flight i've done that i've missed more than one flight at night uh especially if it's like close to a midnight because like that's where the like you know at eleven fifty nine, and then at, if it's a it's a 1205 it's a different day so mm-hmm. I've definitely fucked that up when I've gone to it. I've gone to an airport and it's oh. 59 on the wrong day. And I'm like, fuck, I thought, fuck, you know, so I've definitely had to buy. Oh, my God. Yeah, I've had to buy a plane ticket on credit. Have had to buy a plane ticket um, to, again whenever or wherever they was like one time they were able to change it. But one time it was like, well, it's technically a different day. So you'd have to buy a new ticket. And I was like, fuck. That's crazy. I've never taken a flight that late. I don't think. Mm-hmm. Well, it's like, a red, you know, I take a red eye. Then I get in at six o'clock in the morning. Then I sleep all day. And then my day starts at 3 PM. Yeah. So, um, so you arrove, uh, super early in the morning and it was so lovely to see you in the big city. Um, Katie's never been a city mouse, even though she lives in Atlanta. Now she's never been, cause you lived in Chicago, hated that didn't like wasn't a bit very big you weren't a very big city person why do you why don't you like the city you think uh i don't like the i I get put me on the spot Uh, (laughs) i didn't know these were the questions that were going to be asked i I hate the idea of wasting 
well, A, I mean, it's exhausting to live in a city, but like the amount of like commute time to get to work, then to get home, then to do everything. It's like, it, I mean, it definitely steals your energy. And like, how can you do anything after that? Especially if you don't have a car, you know what I mean? But like, like when I lived in Chicago, I, I did both. I had a car and then I also would take public transit and both ways sucked. Um, but I also think like, I don't know, I guess I've, here's the other thing is like, it, it sucks to be young and have no money. So living in Orlando sucked too. You know what I mean? I didn't yeah. care that. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you have no money. If you spend, if you, if you fuck up one time, then you're fucked for like the month. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. oh, you get a, you get a speeding ticket. Now you can't pay your rent. Now you got to do X, Y, and Z. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's very hard. So I think like now as somebody who has like a full-time job that doesn't pay shit, like, or I don't know. Yeah. That pays good (laughs) enough for me to live somewhere and be comfortable. Like I still like living in Atlanta. I don't necessarily like going into the office, but it's not terrible. But like, I think having the means to be able to pay for the time that you would otherwise like if you're broke, like you have to take the train, you know what I mean? Like, sure. You have to, the you things have you have to. to do out of necessity. I think that's a, that was one of the things I ended up talking about as far as New York goes. I was like, I think part of the reason I give people in New York a pass on being grumpy or assertive or even uh, obnoxious. is just like, it takes so much energy um, and effort just to survive like just to live just to provide food for yourself provide shelter provide you getting from one place to another that takes so much uh more than in like in a a lot of places that Mm. yeah yeah anything on top of that if somebody puts a wrench in your fucking day you're like go fuck yourself no no and that's part of the reason why i think it's it's like a well-willed machine and that everybody has accepted that and they're all like we will all navigate this together and that's why it looks like the world's biggest fucking ant farm and everybody's just fucking yeah yeah that's part of it because it's like a i will say like you know i think like as a as a southerner you like people have like the stereotype of new yorkers being like rude or pushy or not kind Everybody I met there was so kind, so mm-hmm. accommodating, so helpful. Like, just even the, like, you know, bodega clerk to the, you know, waiter at a, a restaurant or whatever. Everybody's very nice, you know. Yeah. Um, they're not even that nice in Atlanta a lot of the time. <laughs> but I think, like, the idea of, like, what do I have to do to survive is, like, work. And then what do I want to do is comedy. And it's, like, well, I could do comedy much more freely with all that extra time. So I think there is a trade-off. I do think that you could like rise the ranks of that. But like when you're like a young comic starting out, like whether it's in Orlando or Chicago where I, you know, lived when I wasn't good at comedy, I would say it's like, it's so hard to get to the point where you're like, oh, working eight hours, commuting for two to three hours, and then coming to this mic was worth my time because I don't want to kill myself afterwards. Cause it's like, you know what I mean? Like you spend yeah. your whole day being stressed out. You finally do the mic or the showcase or whatever you get booked on. And it's like bad because you're tired or, you know, whatever. Like, I think that there's like such a frustration in that to where it's like, also, you got to know who you are. Like, if you like that kind of thing, God bless sure. you. Yeah. Uh, it's like, I think that's, that's why my theory was that I think the higher up you go on those buildings, the more introverts you get, because then they can just look down and go, nope. 
I'm staying in. And then <laughs> people that live on the first through 13th floors, right in the middle, they're, they're out. They want to be amongst, amongst the people, all that shit. Like once, once they started delivering food and like task rabbit and all of those things started delivering to your house i think introverts that lived in big cities were like oh thank god i can be here without having to participate here you know right <laughs> yeah like having to run an errand seems like a nightmare mm-hmm. like you know what i mean like oh i've got to go to the grocery store and like what i got to carry the bags on the the bus now like Mm-hmm. so much and the like train. it's so yeah. hard mm-hmm. all those um, stairs we, we went through we went up and down so many fucking stairs <laughs> so many stairs <laughs> many stairs i mean i have considered like before quarantine uh i was considering moving to new york or la and i think i would still probably like to live in la eventually but i feel like you don't have to anymore which was like a really nice thing to feel like free of that pressure to be like you gotta fucking move because mm-hmm. now it's like you know everything's changed. So I think the world's a little bit more flexible with what, like the same way you can work remote from like a job that before you'd have to commute to your job every, every day of the week. Absolutely. You can get TikTok followers anywhere in the fucking country. You don't got to for that. Right. (laughs) I mean, like that's a, yeah. Like with like the D'Amelio sisters live in like Connecticut, like who the Mm -hmm. fuck cares about Connecticut, but it's like, you can do it literally anywhere. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah. I'm not, but you can. Yeah. <laughs> so Katie shows up and uh, Wednesday and uh, she's got to, you know, power down, right? You didn't sleep all night. Get on a 6 a.m. flight. She goes down for a nap. And then me and my buddy Akeem Woods. Didn't we get also- bagels first, though? No, that was Thursday. Wednesday, you went to sleep and I went to go eat dead cow. No, we got bagels first. We got, I guess I got two bagels. Oh, that's right. We went to Issa Bagel. That's me, dude. Me and Katie went on a fucking bagel tour of New York City. It was like the only thing we we wanted to eat. Give me that boiled dough, baby. Give me that boiled baked dough. So good. And we accidentally ended up going to two of the best bagel places in New York City without uh without trying um the first one was isa bagel if you guys are ever in new york city i highly recommend it essa bagel um they have uh, more than one location and uh, we went there and ate bagels and that was a delight it was so good got a little white fish bagel mm-hmm. got a little mm-hmm. cinnamon apple cream cheese bagel that's right she went sweet and savory i went savory only uh not a big sweet bagel person not a big sweet uh even the sweet spread, not a huge fan. I always like mm. to go savory for some reason. I gotta, I have an affinity for. I mean, I have an affinity for savory over sweet, anyways. Um, but it was nice that you were like, I want, I want bagel breakfast and bagel dessert. Yeah, when I wake up from my coma, I'm gonna have another bagel, and it was <laughs> the right move. It was the, very much the right move. Um. So yeah. So Katie went down for a nap, and then uh, I had to just do some bullshit work. And then went to, um, I ended up going to Brooklyn to Peter Luger's, um, which is uh, one of the best steakhouses in New York City. I was meeting my friend Akeem Woods, um, a previous guest on the podcast. Go listen to his episode. Super fun. He had never, he like, Akeem is also, he's new, he's like new to having money. So he's very like uh, new to being like bougie things. He wants the bougie things. He's hanging out with this dude who's like for his birthday, like took him to Hugo Boss and was just like, yeah, get yourself a couple of outfits, right? <laughs> he's buying $700 jackets. Da, da, da. So he's like, it's this new money vibe he's got going on. So it was really funny to see him there 
Um, and if you're unfamiliar, Peter Luger's uh, formerly and then formerly with an asterisk, uh, Mob Run Steakhouse uh, in Brooklyn. They have another one in Tokyo, and then they have one another one in one of the outskirts of New York City. I don't remember where it is, but um, and the reason that they have the best steak in all of New York is because they get the first pick. Anytime beef comes into New York City and they're going to push it out to any of the restaurants, Peter Luger gets the first pick of any of them. They've been there since 1887. Um, and, uh, I, I put the asterisks on them being mob run because there was a shootout there four months ago. So uh, they're probably still <laughs> still mob run. And my favorite part about it is uh, the steaks aren't cheap and it's cash only. Like, uh, I don't know what... A, I don't know how big of a red flag you got to have, um, but that might be it. Yeah, 120 A little tax evasion. Yeah, $128. Let me see that cash, baby. I mean, they will take a debit card now. They have evolved in some way, but you got to have that cash uh, set. So, you know, we're just paying dinner, paying for uh, lunch because we I went out like, it was like 115 I went because um, I had two sets that night and I was like, man, I'm going to have to sleep off some of this steak before I go tell the jokey jokes, right? And uh, me, we did. We got we got the, the steak, and it was, Katie. I'm telling you, it was fucking perfect. The middle was like biting into velvet, and then the top, the edges were fucking crispy. It was gorgeous. It was gorgeous. Um, so lovely, so wonderful. Cream spinach, and then they had these uh, German fried potatoes, which were just like hash browns, uh, but way more flavorful. Um, amazing, and then. Akeem saw that they had pecan pie so he was like I have to get pecan pie and I was like sure get I was like I'm not gonna eat it but enjoy your pecan pie I'm over here uh getting the meat sweats coming on right no no room for dessert again all savory all savory um he gets a pecan pie and then they give us a fucking vat of whipped cream they make their own whipped cream in-house and they give us a mountain it's like bowl it's a bowl but then the bowl looks like there's a, a human-sized fucking head in it there's so much goddamn whipped cream i could have just like, eaten that bowl it looks so good yeah <laughs> so good. yeah dude you just get one of those straps and and, and attach it to your face you know what i mean they yeah. just eat it like one of those feed bag feed bag yeah <laughs> whipped cream feed bag oh which is which is a sex Euphemism, a whipped cream, yeah. <laughs> whipped cream feed bag. <laughs> yeah, it's a, you can you can see that on uh, fetish.com. Go look for the, the whipped cream <laughs> feed bag. <laughs> get your ass smacked while you fucking get the cream in the face. Um, Whatever, a super delight. Had to walk afterwards because it was so heavy. But so I was like, I'll just take the train because I had been Ubering everywhere um up to this point and i was like oh, i'll just take the train i'll get a nice walk in you know and like get my get the things moving and uh and then i came back to the hotel and um you had just arose and enjoyed your sweet sweet bagel ah, yeah. good morning <laughs> good morning <laughs> And um, that night I was doing a show at uh, this, this show called Comedians You Should Know, which is a show that was born in Chicago. Um, it was uh, by Danny Callis and a few other people. Um, it was born. Danny in Callis, Joe Kilgannon, Mike Leibovitz. Yep, yep, yep. 
Two or three other guys. Two or three other guys. They started this show in Chicago. A bunch of people have uh, like recorded albums there, filmed their specials there. Like it's just a really great show, very well curated. Uh, it was in this downtown bar in Chicago, and they would always pack it out. This uh, Timothy O'Toole's. Yeah. Timothy O'Toole's. They would always pack it out, and then, as you can imagine, as comedians grow, they move. Uh, some of them went to Los Angeles. Some of them went to New York. So then that show birthed in New York, and it also birthed in Los Angeles. So then there's three versions of it. There's the New York comedians you should know, the Chicago comedians you should know, and the Los Angeles comedians you should know. And now I've done all three. I've done all three of them. I've oh, done all yeah. three comedians you should know. And uh, Mike Leibowitz. Which one was your favorite? Ooh, you know? I think it might have been the New York one. It was a good set. It was a good It was a good yeah. yeah. I mean, I like, I like that in Timothy O'Toole's, the ceilings were lower. But I was also, I mean, I'm also a little biased because, uh, you know, I was excited that that set worked because I was taping that set. Yeah. Um, And uh, (laughs) so uh, they were very gracious to, because I was scrambling, I was scrambling to find a place because I wanted to do stand up in New York City before I taped doing stand-up in New York City just to kind of get myself acclimated. Um, you know, just like if you just dip a toe, dip a toe and what I was fucking getting myself into. Yeah. And um they were Mike Leibowitz was gracious enough to let me do a set there. And I was like, it's already annoying to ask for 15 minutes one. And <laughs> especially in a big city like that, nobody does 15 minute sets in a big city. Nobody and unless you have to go first headlining. Yeah. yeah. Or you're at the cellar or something like that. Um and then, uh, so we went, we went, it was deep Brooklyn, right? Yeah. We went deep, deep Brooklyn at a place called the gutter. The gutter. Brooklyn, mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, packed house, probably like a hundred people, I would say, right. Maybe a hundred and change. Too many in a room like yeah, that. Yeah, probably. Yeah, probably. No ventilation. <laughs> but everyone there is very strict about vaccine cards. Like I didn't walk into a single place mm-hmm. besides like a bodega where they didn't check my card. Yeah, card, card, uh, and or um, negative test. You can mm-hmm. show one or the other. Uh, yeah, everywhere I went to, that uh, well, that turned into the fucking nightmare later on. Um, so <laughs> the set goes. We go to the gutter. The set's fucking uh, uh, good. I finally say all the words because I'd run the set several times up to this point, and this was the first time I said it in a way, in the right order, and in the way that I wanted to. And, um, that's fine. And then I was like, well, just record this. Give them that. Just, we should have just filmed this one. You know, (laughs) I mean, that's a tape that if you weren't recording a special like that, you'd be using for like any, everything. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, this is how it went. Well, all worked out well. Well, um, if you want, I I'll post it in the, the group in the Facebook group. If you guys want to hear it. No, no, I'm not going to. No, because you should watch the special. Never mind. I, I don't know why I would do that. Um, so, uh, yeah. So then, we go from there, and then the the guys, the Braden and Jason, right? They want to do some B roll filming. So I was like, "Well, I did. I got a. I have a maybe set at the cellar, uh, in the lounge at the cellar. So if you guys want to come to that, I could see if they'll let me film there because I'm not past there. So, but they, but uh, Cypher sounds so is D, uh, the what's it called? Chappelle's DJ, also funny comedian. Him and uh, Will do this dude will do a show where you go up and you do a set and then you have a chat with them on stage and you riff with them or whatever. Um, super fun. How did they how you meet that guy? How did I meet how did I meet Saifa? How did I meet Saifa? I met him. Um, I think it was just the last time I was in New York. It oh, was. Cool. That's what, it was actually the last day, and this was like 
This was, mind you, March like 13th of 2020. So this is like the the the, the rumors are starting to rumiate. The people are starting to get nervous. Nobody's wearing masks because nobody knows about the masks yet. So this is pre that, but everybody's got hand sanitizer. Everybody's got hand sanitizer because we're treating it like it's a cold or something, you know? So everybody's like... And, um, I met him at the cellar cause I was doing, that was the first time I'd ever done stand up at the comedy cellar was March of 2020. Jackie fabulous had a show and, um, she asked me if I would do it while I was there. And I was like, are you kidding me? You just literally made one of my dreams come true. Thank you for that. Check off. Right. And, uh, it was, it was still, the pandemic was still a thing enough yet that it wasn't packed, which is weird for the cellar. Um, so it wasn't completely full, but they were still amazing. And I still had a f- fucking good time and we were just hanging out at the olive tree and that dude Sypha was there and we met and hit it off and chatted it up and stuff like that. And it's just been like a, a social media following ever since then, you know? And, um, so then we go, uh, he, uh, gets, lets me do the show. I get to do seven minutes. Right. And I had made a deal with myself cause I was like, okay, I just ran the set that I want to do for television. And now I get to do seven minutes. I'm not going to do anything from that. I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm going to have fun. I'm not going to think about it. It's, it was, it's just, it was, to me, it was one of those, uh, it was like, it was my dessert. You know, I did the work and then this is my play. This set is my play. And I got to go up and just be myself and not have to think about anything. And it was super fun. I got to make fun of the audience and bust the guy's balls for having short arms. Uh, it was mm-hmm. riffing and like wow. uh, off the cuff stuff. Yeah, it was great. And then uh, they came up and the whole point of there is like they kind of try to like set you up for you to riff more to get bonus jokes in while they're on stage. So there was like a dude up there that like dudes that started shouting out about how he like loved Orlando. And I just kept making fun of him. I was like, what do you, why are you shouting out of town? Nobody, nobody goes to except for like, calling out, like defunct businesses in Orlando. <laughs> yeah. Like mom and pop shops that had like been closed for like, yeah, you. Yeah, it was like Club Vane or something. Yeah, yeah. Like, dude, Club Vane's been closed for 15. What do you shut up, dude? Nobody He's cares. Like, I love the it. Holiday Inn in Kissimmee. <laughs> so, all right, weirdo. Yeah. Great. Uh, so I got to make fun of that. There was a comedian that went up before me that was very uh, obviously a uh, post breakup and was a uh, very um. Recent yeah, channeling a lot of emotion, which uh, you wouldn't have maybe been able to tell during the set. But once you got to the riffing part of it, you could tell how genuinely uncomfortable that they were. <laughs> it was very funny to see that that switch happen, too, because it was like the set was very uh, sex, he- like sex heavy. And then when they wanted to talk about sex afterwards, um, they were like. She was very uncomfortable. <laughs> like it was like, why are you talking to me about sex when I just talked about sex for seven minutes? Right. Well, that was the, that was interesting, and not to like belittle anyone, but like everyone else who went up, like when it was time to talk to the two dudes, like mm-hmm. they didn't really like have a new character. Like I would say, Kyle Grooms is a little bit more subdued mm-hmm. um, than he was, but like he wasn't any different really. But like yeah. that was really interesting to see. Like it was almost like she was acting, and then it was like. Yeah. She was herself. Yes. It's interesting because it's like, well, if yourself is somebody who's uncomfortable about sex, you can make that very, very funny. Yeah, that's a great angle. That's a yeah. great angle. That's, yeah. that's usually, that's not an angle that's, that's, that's done very often either, you know? Um, so it's, I think that's a, I think that's more interesting because I've heard it less, you know? Mm-hmm. 
Um, and, uh, but that's the, that was the whole, that was funny for me because I went up and after I got off, after my set was over and I talked to them, there was no difference. <laughs> right. No, yeah, not at all. <laughs> so either you maintain the character through that part of it, uh, or you're being yourself on stage, uh, one or the other. Um, but that shift is, that's what's kind of, it's going to throw people off. Cause it's like, oh, you just told us you were this kind of person. And now you're saying, now you're uncomfortable by that. It's just going to be confusing for the people watching. Yeah. Um, and then uh, we, they, the, the comedy seller was gracious enough to let me film some B-roll there. Me and me and Katie riffing on some jokey jokes, talking about my uh, talking about what jokes I was going to do. It's very fun. We did some of the best pantomime that HBO is <laughs> ever going to see. <laughs> Marcel, Marceau, move over. <laughs> A lot of object work, you know. It was very. Was it Stanislavski? Was that what it yeah. was? We're very. Yeah, we were very method. Um, talking about these jokes, which at, at one point I did actually start getting into it. I was like, no, wait, but let's, let's actually talk about this. Yeah. Yeah. Was, <laughs> yeah. It went from like fake to real after a second. It was just like how they have those, uh, there's those laugh meetings in India in, in India. And this is obviously before the pandemic, but they would have these laugh meetings for people like the laughter is it's met it's medicine. Uh, and to prove that they would, they would have like hundreds of people would meet up in this field in India and everybody would start fake laughing. They would all, they were like point at each other and just start fake laughing at each other to try to get it. And then by the end of it, everyone is genuinely laughing. So it's a literally fake it till you make it situation. And that was what we were doing with, uh, writing a set list. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we were faking it. Uh, and then I did write a set list. Um, <laughs> So that was a fun hang. Oh, that the cellar is always a fun hang. It's very much a. We saw a bunch of famous people. Yeah, it's the New York version of the comedy store, um, except the comedians aren't protected at all at the cellar. (laughs) The comedy store, there's like levels of how close you can get to them, whereas uh, the the comedy cellar, they're just there. They're just there. We saw Mr. David Tell. I'm pretty sure I. Made him uncomfortable by hugging him. You totally did. It was very yeah. funny. It was funny. <laughs> he was just I, like, ay, ay. <laughs> I was like, I don't know if she knows him or not, but his reaction seems like they've never met. Uh, <laughs> Which I have. I've met him like five times now. That's the oh, first that's time. funny. He just not, must not be a. He probably just doesn't remember. Oh, no, I just thought maybe he didn't like hugs because that was very, that was very funny to me. Yeah. I was like, man, she must be a big fan of his comedy or they know each other. And then he was like. Oh, hello. And I was like, oh. <laughs> yeah, who else was in there? We saw, uh, well, on your show, we saw Shane Gillis and Kyle mm-hmm. Grooms. Mm-hmm. And then um, Jared Freed was there, but we didn't watch his because we went to record that. And uh, yeah, Jared Fabulous. Was, he was running his late night set that just came the next out day. Yeah. The next day. Mm-hmm. He's great. He's one of the nicest people. And I love his comedy. I don't yeah. know about the the fan base. It's a lot of like, party girls but yes. he's so good his physical comedy is so good um so we saw like who jackie fabulous yep Sherrod small he was he walked in and out a hundred times yeah, every did. time he opened the door i'm like it's so fucking cold close the door <laughs> please stop it. stop it yeah. stop um yeah it was cool it was very cool 
Then, then Thursday comes, and then Thursday morning, uh, uh, no surprise to everyone listening, Katie and I go for bagels. And this time, we go to the most famous bagel place in New York City. We go to Russ and Daughters, uh, which is on the Lower East Side. The and original one. Not the, the original one. one. Yeah. And there's, there's two now. There's the original one, which is just a counter service, and now they have a cafe as well, which is probably like five or six blocks away from the original. And uh, we go there. We... Uh, I honestly didn't know how like of much of a thing it was. I just know when I was like, hey, I'm going to go eat bagels while I'm in New York. Everybody tell me. And everybody kept saying Russ and Daughters. So I was like, all right, let's go to Russ. And then we show up and it, there's like a fucking line. And I was like, oh, I didn't know it was like this kind of famous. Well, here's the thing. <laughs> I didn't think that the line would take that long, given the quickness of service everywhere else. Yes. But once we got inside, people were ordering like multiple multiple things like they were having parties like they were having yes. like pounds of fish cut for them or like whatever and i was like oh this is like yeah it was crazy yeah um amazing uh definitely so lives good. up to the hype uh i got a bagel and locks i mean if you if, if you're not a fish person i maybe i wouldn't recommend it they still got a good bagel and cream cheese but you probably wouldn't want to wait in that line for just a bagel and cream cheese go to tompkins go to fucking go to isa um yeah, I wish I'd gotten fish. I mine was okay. I got a bialy with chopped liver and pickles. And they cut the pickle in front of you, which is very cool. I've never seen that where they're just like <laughs> like the same way they cut the fish. I'm like, okay. It's I felt like it needed nice. salt and pepper, but I'd never tell anybody that. You know, you can't tell them what they need. But definitely need salt and pepper. It was uh it was good. I got uh, I got an everything bagel with uh bagel uh, with the sorry, with the was it smoked salmon? Locks or a lot, I guess locks, uh, cream cheese, tomato, red onion, and capers. And it was very it was good, yeah, very, very good. It's like the kipper or something like that. Kipper, yeah, or something, yeah. Um, got a little chocolate babka, you got a little arugula, mm hmm, a little arugula, a little, a little coconut macaroons. Man, I, I went. Cause I was like, so I missed it when I came back, I missed it. I went to try to order it online and ship it. It's like $55 to ship a, a thing of fucking bagels. And I was like, Oh my God, never mind. Fuck it. I'll just go. I'll fly to New York. I'll fly it. You can get right? a flight for 120 bucks. I'll go up there just to get fucking bagels and come back. Yeah. Just bring your big suitcase, fill it with bagels. <laughs> And then, uh, yeah, so Thursday we go and have a delightful uh, breakfast, and then uh, we parted ways. Katie went to meet up with a friend of hers, and I went back to uh, the hotel because I had to be I had to be at the venue to prep. I had to be at the venue at uh, 5 p.m. because we had to do a color test. Um, and now let's go into where all shit starts really hitting the fan. Um, <laughs> I... <laughs> I uh, didn't have, I still didn't have an outfit that I was going to wear for the special. The dress that I was supposed to have worn that we had picked out, the stylist and I had picked out, had never shown up. And um, so uh, we were coming up with alternatives and the fucking, they're, the, they're kind of freaking out because they want a color test. They want to make sure like if I'm wearing a certain color, <gasps> With the lights behind me, I'm not going to, like, look like I got jaundice or whatever, you know, so they, they color test it first. And I was like, well, I don't have the dress. This is what the dress looks like. But 
I mean, I could wear something similar. So I brought like some red uh, kind of like plaid outfit and these plaid pants with a black top. I was like, you know, it fuck if the dress doesn't fucking show up, I'll just wear these red pants. I, fuck it. Like I, I was tired of worrying about it because every day it was just not showing up. And then and uh, the stylist was trying. She was just kept bringing a bunch of other outfits. A lot of most of them just didn't fit right. There was like, you know, big, big bushy on the top or fucking too tight on the fucking my calves were too tight. it was weird it was weird just shit just wasn't working out and uh so i go to the venue and uh at one point katie tries to call me and i can't hear her at all um because the venue is in the basement so then i was like fuck i don't know what the fuck's going on and mind you she calls me right when i'm trying to get changed to go on stage so i was like fuck, she, i couldn't get it to work you know, for us to hear each other. So I was like, fuck. And I just set the phone down. I finished getting dressed because they came into the green room and like, Hey, come on stage. So I go and do the thing. Um, you know, test, we do test the sounds. Everybody's testing the sounds. We're like testing camera angles and stuff. Like I'm making them set up chairs. So they know like how high we're going to be and all that shit. Like uh, I'm hands on, dude. I'm clocked in. I'm fucking ready. I'm, I'm making. <laughs> I'm doing way more than I need to, as per getting usual. a producer's credit. Yeah, exactly. Doing the producer's work. Hadn't gotten the credit though. Um, and uh, just really. So then we go back to the hotel after all of that's done. We go back to the hotel. I don't have my phone. Fuck. I don't have my phone. It's got to be. Uh, fuck. Did I leave it in the Uber? Did I leave it? In, did I leave it back at the venue? Where the fuck did I set it? I can't remember where I set it. Because now everything's like going really fast. I don't know where the fuck it is. And mind you, now I have to have the HBO. I had to leave because I had to have the HBO dinner with the people from HBO, where it's just us, the people performing, me, Alfred, Jesus, uh, Sepulveda, the producers, and the the big wigs from HBO. So it's supposed to be like a big deal. So much so, if you know me at all, you know how much I love sets. I canceled a set to go to this fucking dinner. And uh, luckily, uh, Katie was able to take it for me. Very nice. I got it. I appreciate it. It was fun. Which is why I was calling you to see if I was getting the set. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> we were also trying to go uh, see a show, too, which none of that worked out, uh, which was unfortunate. But so anyways, so now I'm like in a rush because I got to go to this dinner. Uh, but I left my phone and I don't know where I left my phone. So the producers start calling the, the Ubers that we're in. And then um, another, like one of the assistants comes and he's like, well, I'll just go take you back to the venue. Mind you, the venue's closed up. So now I got to get somebody to come back to open the door to let us in so I can look for my phone. And then I go in, I start looking for my phone. I go into the green room and boom, sharp pain in the bottom of my foot. Why? Because there is a needle that has gone through my boot and into my foot now. What? A needle? Is it a heroin needle? No, it's not. It's a sewing needle. And it's dull side up. I had a dull fucking sewing needle with a string through it, with a thread through it, go through my fucking combat boot and end on my goddamn foot. How long? Where, where, where were they sewing? Were they sewing boat tarp? Like, what the fuck were they sewing? They needed this big of a fucking needle. And how it was standing straight up like that, I have no idea. All I know is now there's a fucking needle in my foot and I'm late for dinner with these fucking HBO people. Yeah. The dude's there, the dude that opened the door, which is the owner, um, and the young dude, the assistant, who's like 23, 
uh, both start freaking out, right? Because, I, again, I got a needle in my foot. Uh, and um, they both start freaking out. And for some reason, this is when I become the most calm. I don't know if it's that, like, like uh, I, I don't know. I don't know why. I don't know if it's because I was raised in chaos or whatever. But once shit hit the fan and everybody started freaking out, that was when I got the most calm. And I was like, okay, hey, man. I was like, you get, do you have a pair of pliers? If there's any way you could go get me a pair of pliers, that's great. And then you, uh, go with him. See if he has a first aid kit. If he has a first aid kit, bring me an alcohol swab. Bring me uh, some triple antibiotic ointment. Bring me a Band-Aid, all right? I'm going to try to pull this fucking thing out of my foot now. So uh, I'm trying to pull it out, and I can't get the right angle because I'm doing it from the side. Because, again, straight perfectly into the pad of my foot, like right where, right where the ball of your foot is, right there, right in the ball of my foot trying to pull it out can't get the right angle so i got to get the young dude i'm like hey dude you grab the 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 pliers and start pulling on the edge like and i was like at fr- it hurts a lot so don't pull real fast even though that might have been a better choice but don't pull real fast because i gotta see how fucking deep this motherfucker's in so he starts pulling it hurts he starts pull i keep trying to get him to pull it and it hurts and then i was like oh i got an idea why don't i pull on the string because the string's probably causing extra friction why don't i yank on the string while you pull the needle out at the same time we'll pull at the same time let's go slow first and if it works out we'll pull it fucking real fast all right so then pliers on the the needle and he kept the pliers keep slipping off and he keeps going oh my god i'm so sorry oh my god i'm so sorry i'm like it's fine at this point it's just all pain so it doesn't really make much of a difference right so uh he's pulling he pulls on the thing and then i pull on the string and we start pulling out starts coming and i could feel it coming out slowly right and then i feel it coming close I, i was like i think it's at the edge we'll do one quick one rapidly quick uh pull together on three I'm going to pull the string out real fast. You're going to pull the needle out real fast. Make sure you got a tight grip on the pliers so you don't slip off of it. Because if not, then I'm going to pull it sideways and that's going to hurt like a bitch. All right, ready? Oh, yeah. Okay, I, I could do it. I, I'm so sorry. I could do this. This is so fucking crazy. I could do this. I could do this. All right, ready? We're on three. One, two, pop. It comes all out. The needle's out. I fucking swab it up. I put the triple antibiotic ointment, slap a Band-Aid on it. I was like, I looked briefly around for my phone, which I couldn't find. And I was like, fuck it, let's just go. I got to go anyways. We go, we're on the way to the dinner. And then I find out the person that's supposed to do my hair for the the taping thing is, uh, has a COVID scare. So there's no hair person now. And I was like, um, okay, now I'm on this show with two other dudes whose hair are already done. You know, there is no hair that needs, I am the only bitch that needs to get hair done because I don't know how to do hair. That's why I always pay a person to do it. I don't know what I, I don't, when people compliment my hair, it's just because that's how my hair is. It's never that I did anything to it. I don't know how to fucking do my hair or any of that stuff. So now I'm starting to freak out because I was like, I don't know what the, I don't know what to do. I don't know. I, I don't know how to do my hair. And plus there's not going to be any way that I could get into a salon, you know, with this short of notice in this fucking part of New York city. Cause uh, we're in Chelsea and Chelsea's a very, like it's a higher end uh, type of area. And uh, so I was like, fuck, I don't know what I'm going to do. So I call up can the I, lady that, yeah. Can I tell you, this actually happened closer to the show. It didn't happen that day. It happened like two hours before the show. Oh, that's right. This so is when we went back for my phone. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. When we like, actually found the phone. phone. Yeah. Yes. 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 Uh, Even more of a time crunch. Get the timeline fucked up. So uh, that's what it was. We go back 
we just go straight to dinner. That's what it was. We go straight to dinner. And again, because New York City uh, takes the pandemic seriously, you have to show proof of vaccination. And my proof of vaccination is, guess what, guys? On my fucking phone. And uh, I don't have my phone. So now it turns into a thing. Like this is, and this is like a high-end joint. And there's this place called Butcher and Banker. Banker. Butcher and Banker, I think is what, or Banker and Butch, one or the other. And a super high-end place. And it's like, there's 15 of us there. And it's a big fucking deal. I'm the only one that's not there. And, um... And I don't have proof. And the, and the guy's like, it's a $14,000 fine if I let you in. Da, da, da. And I was like, no, I understand. I'm trying to get you what you need, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, <laughs> and so it ends up working out. I, I won't uh, entirely say because it, it's probably uh, incriminating at some point. Um, but I, en- I end up getting in. I end up somehow getting in after like 15 or 20 minutes of me being there. I somehow get into dinner and have dinner with these people. And at this point, like my foot hurts and I'm fucking over all of this bullshit. My, I don't know where my phone is. I, I'm I was like, I shouldn't even come to this fucking thing. Right. And, uh, and a lot of times these kinds of like schmoozy dinners, they don't really have any goddamn interest in you anyway. So I ended up just partying with Jesus's dad, who was the guy who's, uh, Jesus is the other person who was filming. He was filming 30 minutes. Um, and his, he had brought his parents with him to these two adorable, uh, like tiny Mexican people that were, didn't speak very much English, but were so adorable and so fun. And I kept trying to get his dad to eat edibles. That was my whole goal at that dinner is, uh, uh, it wasn't for me. <laughs> it wasn't to schmooze it up with the HBO people. It was to get the old people to eat edibles. That was my, <laughs> um, which was uh, it was a delight. He didn't he didn't eat it, but by the end of the night, his wife started convincing him that she thinks he does need to eat edibles. Um, whatever. After the dinner, it's fine. Uh, and then oh oh, let's walk. Let's walk the fifteen or twenty blocks or whatever. And I'm like, sure, let's walk. It's not like my foot's in fucking pain. Um. So whatever, it, it was just a mess. And then the next day, dude, when you came in after that dinner and you went like the first word you said, you go, I stepped on a needle and I was like, well, that's the end of you. <laughs> Cause I didn't know it was a sewing needle. And I thought you meant like, oh, I stepped on a dirty heroin needle in the street. <laughs> and it literally made me sick to my stomach. I was like, this is how I get AIDS now. This is how I have AIDS now. I yeah. mean, Oh, oh, what a <laughs> nightmare. And not that your experience is not worse. Cause like maybe with a dirty AIDS needle, you could have just pulled it out quickly and yeah. dealt with the, the problem later. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> or just broken it off. It's a way thinner needle. It's a much way thinner, thinner needle. needle. Yeah. Yeah. I could have just broke it off and fucking dug it out later. I don't know. Um, yeah. It also, actually, if it was a heroin needle, I don't think it would have went through my fucking combat boot. I don't think it would have went through it. I think I would have just crushed it if that was the case. I don't yeah. think it would have. Uh, but it took it took like a, a fucking heavy duty. Like, yeah, I don't know what you were sewing vinyl, but that that needle was fucking long. Um, <laughs> it was so ridiculous. So then I can't go back and let's mind you, none of the Ubers know where my phone is. Not everyone is, that has been called doesn't know where it is. So I've narrowed it down to after doing a little bit of like detective work myself. I'm like, there is no way my phone is not at the venue. There's no way it has Just to based be on the time frame of time calling frame. You. Yep, you calling me, me never yeah. using my phone since then. It's got to be there. Um, and we have to be on set and mind you now we're talking about the day of the, now it's Friday, the day I'm taping, right? Still don't have, haven't had my phone. 
uh, in about 12 hours or 14 hours. Nobody's going to be at the property until uh, production doesn't get there till two. That's their call time. They don't get there till 2 p.m. And so then they get somebody to open at noon so I can go in there and look for it. So the, the same guy, the owner guy shows back up, opens the door for me. We're there, what, seven minutes? And my phone is immediately found. It was behind where the green room was. Because in the green room uh, where I was, uh, where I imagine it was our dressing room, it was shared. So it's me and two dudes. I'm not getting changed in front of two dudes. So I was getting changed behind it. There was like a small hallway that went back to where they were like lock up the booze, storage area, Mm -hmm. a bathroom. I was getting changed back there. And I just set my phone down on like a piece of wood. Um, (laughs) Yeah, it was like a big, it was like a big neon sign with like a black frame. So your phone kind of just like was flush with that. Mm -hmm. Uh, What was the kid's name? Was it Andrew? Andrew. Yeah. He was great. Just like shout out to Andrew being 23 years old. So really managing all this stress, being a a great hide and seek finder, (laughs) which is so professional and like (laughs) so on top of his shit. Like at 23, like I can't imagine being that good at anything. Right? Uh, Yeah, he was amazing. So then we get in a we get an Uber to go back to the hotel, and that's when I find out there's no hair. That's yeah, day of is when the the lady all of a sudden has a COVID scare. So then I don't have a person for uh, my hair, and I'm like, fuck, what am I getting? Oh yeah, that's right, because I'm like, it's hours before we film. There's no way I'm gonna get an appointment at a salon or anything to get this shit ready. Uh, I don't know anybody in New York that does fucking hair, so I like I started calling the lady that dyed my hair in Orlando. And I was like, Hey, I know you used to do hair in New York. Do you know anybody, anybody that could do my hair like this? Like whatever it can, please I'll pay whatever it is. I'll pay. I'll, I'll fucking, we'll figure it out something. And so she starts working on that. And then we get to the hotel. I get out, we go upstairs. I left my fucking backpack with my wallet and everything. I own <laughs> yeah, in the I goddamn Uber. Part. Yeah. I <laughs> left my God, what a daffy dumb bitch, dude. I it was dude, that was the straw. <laughs> that was that was the straw that I think I think emotionally did you in. Yeah. Because you were like, we just got the phone back and we got to the room. Finally. And said, Finally. My backpack. It was that was but I will say you almost like the first night at Ida's uh viewing party, you left your phone on a, a bar stool. And you just walked away. It was yeah. the wildest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> I'm checking my pockets every second that I have my wallet and my phone. Like, I'm always, like, checking. And I'm just, like, she just walked away from her phone. <laughs> and you didn't even notice it was gone. That was the wild part. I had it on me for so long. And I was, like, do you need this? And you're, like, oh, okay, yeah. setting shit down then i did it someplace else too and you're like you are just trying to lose your phone and then when i lost it man that fucking the kid brayden was like remember katie said you were just (laughs) trying to lose your phone and i was like oh fuck yourself i was so furious (laughs) Uh, and then it happened and then i was so mad that i lost my phone i was like how how did i lose my phone and it's just because i was fucking so it was just like, oh, I was just thinking about too many things at the same time, I think. It's like 72 straight hours of adrenaline. You're going to you're gonna miss some stuff. Yeah. The, you know what I mean? Like tunnel vision on like the details. Or especially like, you know, stepping on that needle. It's like, that's your main focus. You're in pain, whatever. Yeah. But yeah, like just everybody had something for you to think about that wasn't the minutia that you would normally keep up with. Yeah. It was like, well, because then it was like, I ha- not only do I have to have to 
perform like uh, impromptu surgery on my on myself then i also have to go have dinner with these people and try to care about what they think about me and then like also <laughs> because they're the money of it they're the like who how i end up getting to do this again you know like mm-hmm. the producers can love me all they want but if hbo doesn't want to fuck with me anymore i'm kind of fucked so and then the next day uh fine i get my phone oh my god i'm so okay i'm so thankful uh, so be- nothing bad happened. Everything's okay. You know, my nudes are safe. Everything's fine. <laughs> and then immediately, oh, by the way, we don't have a person uh, to-, to do your hair anymore. Okay, fuck. Okay, well, I'll figure that out. I guess uh, I'll figure that out. And then it was then that. And then <laughs> then I left my fucking backpack in the Uber. And I was just like, am I incapable of doing anything? Am I okay? Like, I was just like, what the fuck is that? Like, I don't. You know what? I don't want to fucking do it anymore. I don't want to goddamn do it anymore. Like I get why people have fucking melt meltdowns. I got, I got, it was just a lot. It was all a lot at the same time. And it was like, and I still didn't get to, I wanted to, I'd gotten advice uh, from my buddy Orlando that he was like, you know, you should take, take a minute, take like 15 minutes and just like have complete and utter silence and like, listen to your set and like, kind of let yourself get into it and stuff like envision yourself. Like Ricky told me that too. It's like very meditative, like imagine yourself doing it, imagine yourself doing it well so that when you're doing it, it doesn't seem as weird. Right. And I hadn't gotten the opportunity to do that. So then I just started worrying about me. I was like, I'm not going to be able to do it. I'm going to fucking fuck it up. Like all of this shit was all happening at the same time. And it was just fucking overwhelming and mind you it's day of the taping the more oh yeah that morning 11 30 uh the dress shows up and it's a completely different dress a completely different it's a floral it's a fucking i i hated it i I forgot that that had happened earlier because i thought it was we got back and then you had to try on that dress which was not good yeah it wasn't Uh, good it was like a, it was like almost like a sleeping bag. Like it was so long. Yes, it was so long and it just like, and it fit weird. And I was like, oh dude, I don't have, now I, now I don't have my hair done and I don't have an outfit to wear. Like what the fuck dude? Like how come nothing can go? Like at this point now it's like so many things have gone wrong. It's like no, now it seems like nothing will ever go right. Including now. So now it was like, all of this is going to get pushed on the set. My set's going to go bad. I'm going to go into it with bad energy. Like I was fucking a mess about it. You know what's funny is Kyle Grooms was like, you got to have a bad set before you you do another good one because you had two good ones. And then he told you like, you know, it's kind of like the pattern, have a have a mediocre one. But instead of having a set, you just had like like the worst 16 hours in a row. And I think that (laughs) made up for, you know what I mean? Like you replaced the set with bad life. Yeah, it was bad bad life. So anyways, everything ends up getting fixed. I find a person to do my hair and then I find out once I get to the venue that they have just told the makeup person that they were going to do my hair. And I was like, well, I don't want a person that does makeup to do my hair if they don't already do hair. And then I found out afterwards, like when I was in the chair with her, that she does do hair. So then it was like, then it was like this weird contention a little bit between the hair person and the makeup person because I hired somebody on my own and I was just like, fuck it. Like, I want to make sure this gets done. And like, I found out later that like none of that should have been my problem like i shouldn't have had to do any of that and i was just like even told you yeah he shouldn't have told me he shouldn't have told me at all (laughs) the one thing i wanted to tell you and i didn't i wanted to be like your hair looked really good last night just do that like i know it's supposed to be fancier but i was like you could just literally go like you have very nice shiny hair and I was like, you know, just go to CVS and get like a curling iron or not. You know what I mean? Just go up there yeah. with your regular hair. They yeah. did a great job. They did, did a great job. Yeah. But I, I was like, that won't be a helpful thing to say is don't get your hair done. 
But so then my this the stylist has her her seamstress friend that's that's at the hotel room now, and she's just gonna make me a dress out of the dress that showed up. Out Which of didn't the, sound like a possible. Like it didn't sound like it was gonna happen. No, there's. I was like, there's no way. I was like, like in my mind, I was like, I'm just gonna wear the stupid red pants. I'm just gonna wear the stupid red pants and the black shirt. Like whatever. Um and. And I think part of the reason that she really wanted the dress to work is because then she wasn't really styling me because most of, most of that was my clothes, my own clothes, you know? Mm. Um, and uh, so she, like, this, the seamstress was like, I can, I'm pretty sure I can get this done. I can pretty sure I can get this done for you. Um, you know, I'll bring it to, I'll just bring it to the venue. I'll bring it to the venue. And I was like, okay. Like, so they just took my measurements and then we gave her the dress and I was just like, fuck. And then the producer calls me and I unload on him. I unload. He was just like, what's the matter? And I was like, what's the fucking matter? And I tell him everything. I told him the whole thing. And then he was like, here's what I want you to do. He goes, you're right. That's, that's incredibly, it's a horrible 15 hours to have. What I want you to do is I want you to lay down. I want you to relax. I want you to try and chill out. I know call times at four, come at five. If you need to take as much time as you need for you to prepare yourself uh, for this. And I was like, Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. (laughs) So I did. I laid on that fucking bed and I put a stupid aloe mask on my face for like an hour. And, uh, and I did. And I thought about my, and I, well, first of all, I was trying to like, think about this isn't, I can separate myself from, this is just what's happened. Everything is kind of, even though it's been annoying, it's kind of all kind of worked out. Everything's going to be okay in time for the, and it, I was like, if it doesn't, if the outfit doesn't work out, if your hair doesn't work, who gives a shit ultimately? Who gives a shit, right? Right. And you want it to look the best it possibly can. If this is the best that that is, I, I'm just trying to talk myself down from being a, and honestly, I think I wouldn't have been in as good a shape had you not been there to be to be like <laughs> but one moment i was the only person in the hotel room who wasn't crying so yes but <laughs> <laughs> calming presence yes <laughs> yeah because at one point and i don't know if she thought it was her or whatever but the stylist was like also i think overwhelmed because she probably had too much on her plate as well um so it was just a room full of a, a room full of mess and katie's just in there like the quiet asshole that she is like, this is a lot for, I mean, I understood it. Cause like yeah. just the pressure of having to do something that's like basically the culmination of all your hard work and dreams. And then you're like, can I not have a fucking dress? I did everything else. <laughs> I've done everything else for 15 years. You can't get me a goddamn dress. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I got that's it. Where it was I at. Oh yeah. No, I know when it's time to joke and when it's time to not joke about things. Yeah. Oh man, it was just so much, guys. It really was. But uh, she made you that jacket, like the one you're wearing. Like she. Yep. This was the jacket that I while wore. we were just sitting there. It's pretty cool. People on the Patreon can see it if you're from the Patreon. There's video, or if you see a clip, I'm certain. But this was the cool jacket that I wore for the thing. Uh, so that worked out too. Uh, it was, uh, so anyways, I show up, I showed up early. Like he was, he wasn't expecting me to like five 30. I showed up at four 30. He was like, Oh, great. It's so good. The producer was like elated to see me. My hair person showed up and again, that, that was a little weird, but it, it ended up being fine. They ended up being, being friendly. Um, and I just, you know, I brought every outfit that I thought was, uh, palatable <laughs> to wear on stage and um and then like right at 6 30 right when they started letting people in 
the dress showed up. And then I was like, all right, well, let's see if it if it fits. <laughs> and uh, I put it on and it fit like a fucking glove. And it was Perfect. just, yeah, it was just such a weight lifted. Um, they and were then, still steaming it when I went back to see you at like seven, like 30 minutes before the show started. Yep. She was you just like, don't put it on. on yet. Yeah, I didn't have yeah. it on. She was like, don't, don't put it on yet. But I think it'll work. Like, yeah, they had me try it on just to see if it, it would. She was like, but it's still wet. Let me take it off and let it dry because I'm steaming it. Um. So it was very much like an 11th hour situation. And then. And the guys are there. They're just wearing pants and a jacket. And you're like, how easy is this? That's so unfair. Like literally, Casey and Alfred just had to like run a comb through their hair. And they're like. (laughs) So ready. Oh, ready all day. No fair. Yeah. Yeah. It really did. I did have a little bit of penis envy then at that moment because I was like, I needed a fucking team to make me look decent to film. And you guys just put on a like, a, yeah, you just ironed a T-shirt <laughs> and wore the yeah. jacket you've been wearing all week. God damn it. Like, fuck you guys. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and then it was time. It was time for the big show. They had a warm up guy who was okay. Don't know his name, so I can't really talk shit specifically about him with with names, but he was uh, just okay. Can I tell you a compliment about him? Okay. I'll give him a compliment, because I also thought just okay. Mm -hmm. But the second show was a much rowdier audience from the beginning. Like, they were being seated, and they already had put him on stage, and he was just doing his act and trying to do crowd work, and I was, like, watching him going, I couldn't do this, Mm -hmm. because... They aren't listening, and I you still have to do your shit. Yeah, he was he wasn't like doing like material where it was like dependent on them laughing. He was like trying to crowd work, trying to like, you know, make it work. So I was like his poise. Yeah, fantastic poise. I think my criticisms were more that um, oh he also got everyone's name wrong. Yes, he got everyone's name wrong uh, on the on the you know the biggest things that we've ever done. He couldn't. In my head, I was like, I hope they edit this. (laughs) Yeah, that was brutal. I was like, Jesus. He said said Alfred's name like I would have said it. He was like Alfred Robles, and I'm like, (laughs) Are we trying? Oh, bad. You didn't think maybe. Maybe to learn how to say it before. Here comes Jesus Sepulveda. <laughs> like, are you okay? It was so- he had a stroke. He had a stroke. He, did. he had a stroke. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I went up second. Uh, so there was the warm-up guy, and then Alfred went up first. I went second. Jesus went third. And um, Perfect spot, too. It really was. I was very happy. Like, I had been fantasizing about that, like, putting, No one like, wants trying to go to, first. Nobody wants to. And I always get stuck going first, like, with everything. Showcases. I mean, clubs always want me to go first. You're strong. You're strong. Yeah. Comedy. Mm-hmm. But you can't be the only chick on the show and go first, I think, is, like... Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. they got to kind of split it up. So I think that worked out really well in your favor. It did. And uh, the first show, I think, went okay. That's the other thing, too, is, like, the show, my shows in general usually are a blur, but even more so because of everything that led up to this, it was a blur. But the first show, I think, went okay. There was a lot of claps, but there was definitely parts in it that there were not laughs, which I hated. Um, cause I wanted, you know, I wanted uproarious laughter for every fucking line that I wrote. Um, <laughs> from the audience point of view, I only thought there was one thing that didn't work. 
mm-hmm. that one line that we talked about. Um, but I thought it was like, and we already talked about this, but for the viewer, yeah, uh, or the listener, or the reader, if you transcribe this, um, <laughs> it was technically perfect. Like every word was on point. The timing was great. The applause breaks, like because it's TV, so they can you know add more laughs, but you can't really add clapping at the end of every joke and make it seem natural <laughs> unless it is real. Yeah. You know what I mean? Cause you had to pause. So it's like obvious that they're clapping, but like, yeah, me and my friend were sitting there like, how many applause breaks is this? Like, insane. <laughs> like, so to me, I thought that was like, and I'm just too OCD to be like, that wasn't perfect. So it's the best one. You know what I mean? Like I thought it was sure. perfect. And mm-hmm. I thought that was to me, that was the better set, but I wasn't feeling the energy on stage. Like you were right. Right. And I think that's what it was. And and the second one, I I don't know if it's because they were rowdier. I don't know if it's because I was like, fuck this and finally had a cocktail to calm the fuck down. Oh, you did. Yeah, I did. I had a cocktail and, um, and like, cause that was the other thing too, is I was debating whether I was going to drink before or not. Like, I was like, I don't know if it's like, and I, obviously I didn't mean like get drunk or get loaded by any means, but I meant just one for like, they were handing out shots to the audience on the second show. Yes, they were (laughs) were trying to get them fucked up. (laughs) And the, the second show was rowdier and they were, but they were also like a little bit more fun and like that they did have a more there was more of a vibrancy about them um Mm. and there was less applause breaks but i felt like there was more laughter on the second show and um and and i don't know if and and then i found i I forgot about this and then somebody commented on this online after i'd posted about the show that i'd gotten a partial standing ovation on the second show which i I told you yeah i totally forgot about that i forgot about that and the cool thing was, it was the people who were closest to the camera on the left. So they were definitely in the camera. Mm-hmm. So even if it wasn't full, like, it looks like there's a lot of people doing it. Mm-hmm. Like, if I'm imagining the framing of it right. right. I mean, I stood up for you, too. Uh, <laughs> but I was on the side. Nobody saw me. But, yeah, it was so cool to be like, you, you moved people to their feet. And I didn't see, uh, I didn't watch the last set of Jesus, but, like, I didn't see anybody else get a standing ovation. So. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so it, it felt like that way, like, I think they got something that's good enough to cut together just because like, I'd miss, I forgot. Cause that was the other thing too, is like, forgot a joke on the first one. And I forgot a joke on the first one and that joke bombed that one, that one, that line of that one joke. Line, one line didn't do well. I wouldn't say bombed. Okay. And then the second show, I forgot a complete, I forgot the bit that bombed or that didn't do well on the first show, which you thought I did it on purpose, but I totally didn't do it. Maybe, maybe I subconsciously, it was just like, okay, it don't work. Don't say it. Um, <laughs> because the time, like the, the time that you did was almost identical and it was over 15. So I was like, oh, she probably wanted to cut it. Cause the other bits like 30 seconds. So mm-hmm. you cut like the right amount of time. It seemed intentional. Thank you. It wasn't. Um, cause he said I could go, he said I could go up to do up to like 20. It was like, if you want to, if he goes over, it's fine. Blah, blah, blah. Everyone so went like, over every set. Yeah. Everybody yeah. went over. So, um, but he gave us that leeway. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I think overall it went good. As good as it possibly could have considering. It wasn't just good. It was great. (laughs) It was great. Because like the thing that you didn't do on the first set, like I felt like the first set you had it in the can Mm -hmm. and then you, you did exactly the thing that you needed to do, which was that one more joke Mm -hmm. to get it. And I think they'll probably, I mean, either they'll, you know, up the laughter on that, the one joke that you didn't love, you know, online, or they'll just cut it. And then, you know, seamlessly move into the next thing. But because it's not like the end of the world. 
it's not like the it's not a pivot point for any joke it's just another tag yeah it's just a tag for that the line i said previously so but uh yeah and i thought like just doing that one because that bit fucking killed and i was like oh I, I, I was watching the first show and i was like oh i wish she had done that bit i thought she was gonna do it um we did the second show it fucking crushed so i think like just that one chunk in the first show you could put those together and make it or they could you know mush mm-hmm. up a bunch of different things whatever they like but yeah, don't don't undersell how good it was because I think like, yeah, you should be very proud. Of it. I mean, I felt so bad. I don't know if you want to talk about anybody else, but the the first comic who was very funny, super nice. They Dude, he had, that was a, well. Uh, not only wait, what? What about makeup? His mic. Oh yeah, dude, the, his fucking mic. That was the other thing I had an issue with the host is like the the the, the fucking mic that they gave him didn't work, so he was like cutting out it. the whole time. I was like, I couldn't tell if they turned his volume down because he's louder. Like, you know, he has a very strong voice the whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, oh, do they turn it down from the first show? And then I realized his mic wasn't on. And I was like, he doesn't know his mic's not on. Or he does know. And he's holding it together very well. And then I was like, was it just not turned on with a little clicky thing? But that seems like something that you wouldn't leave to chance if you were. No, audio. there was no clicky thing on those. Those were all, that's all. Yeah. Pretty, yeah. That's all that was. Yeah. That was a huge fuck up. And then he went and it's, this is to his credit. Like you guys, obviously, if you, if, and when you watch it, you won't know that any of this happened, but he went on stage and then had to start over and fucking crushed it like that was amazing i loved watching him you start like start completely like he had to start because he was probably like two or three minutes in yeah it was like his like opening big chunk Mm -hmm. about him his intro like about him you know yeah and then somebody came up and tapped him on the shoulder while he's in the middle which has got to be jarring already because you're like already like you're you know your gears are already going you're already getting the shit done and then somebody comes and taps you on the fucking shoulder and it hands you another microphone and then it's like what the fuck <laughs> like, one thing they should have done is let him be reintroduced i mean he did really great with it yeah but they should have been like we're gonna reset this and the other problem is, is that they can't edit the two sets together because they gave him a wireless mic. Oh, no. So he has to use one or the other. Oh, no. I didn't realize that. Mm-hmm. That sucks. Yeah, that's, in my mind, I was like, continuity. Like, yeah. let them let them pause the show and fix the corded mic. Make sure it works. Don't just hand him that to, like, hurry it up. Like, to me, that was like the biggest flaw in the whole production is that they didn't think one step ahead. Yeah, or just have another corded mic. Yeah, like why? Because for you, they put it. They they had, they put a new one out. Yeah, when the host went up or whatever. But I was just like, oh brother. Like I hope I hope for maybe his sake that they keep the whole second show in because I thought that was a really cool thing that he did where it was like it fucked up but he was like such a pro and it made everybody fall in love with him yeah because I heard it like I heard everybody just like it was like he performed at a heightened level after that and they were like in love with him at the end of that at the end he's of so that. lovable mm-hmm. and his 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 closing bit is such a great callback like every he's such a good writer and it's all very simple mm-hmm. and that's what I really liked was like how easy it was to follow but it was so him and like he's very charming but I was just like yeah it was it was rough to see as a as someone in the audience yeah yeah so that's it and then uh after that we won I'm a big fan of both of them now I mean like me too yeah yeah I never heard of either one of them and I'm 
yeah, they're great. You guys, and maybe I'll have uh, Alfred on. I'll see if he wants to do it. Uh, so make sure you guys follow Alfred Robles and Jesus Sepulveda. And so there, I've just, a lot of people have been asking me how it went and what and stuff. So I figured this would be the easiest way for everybody to know how it went. And uh, and I wanted <laughs> I wanted a sane person uh, to walk through all the parts that with me that I... It was quite, it was quite an emotional roller coaster it was. to be witness to. Yeah, it was. Dude, and I can't thank you enough for fucking being there for well, it. Thanks for flying me out there and Absolutely. stuff. Absolutely, like, it was really it was, fun. It was worth it. You know, it was in my wardrobe budget. I didn't, uh, I didn't buy that many clothes, so most of them were borrowed, and I gave them all back. I was like, even the, even the cool outfit. I was like, nah, you know what? Fuck it. I'd rather just, uh, I'd rather use the money for something else. So, um, well, yeah, that's it, guys. That's it for this week. Um, I hope you enjoyed it. I'll probably, I don't know. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, I know this was an unorthodox, uh, episode, but, uh, there you have it. That's how the whole thing went. Um, we certainly talked about things that you didn't like. I de- We definitely did. We definitely, that is on brand. That is on theme. Do you, do you like having a needle in your foot? No, sir. I do not I, like no, it. No, I do not enjoy it. I do not enjoy it. But, you know, I didn't hate it enough to fucking lose my shit about it then, which I, that was the thing that was the craziest thing to me is I was like, that part seemed like it should have been the biggest shock. And it wasn't. It was to me at that moment, it was just like, are you fucking kidding me? Another thing? Another thing. Well, really? it's like the, the mom lifting the car off her child. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> home. but like, I guess, yeah, everything built up. And then like the backpack was like that final straw Yeah, where it was like, I mean, you can't do anything in New York without a phone. Yeah, like you can't, can't get a train. Like you can't. I couldn't. I was. It was. Shit. I was just calling every hotel number that I could to try to get a hold of any person. I didn't know anybody's hotel room number because I wasn't, you know, hanging out. There wasn't any hotel parties happening, so mm. it was like I didn't have any information, and it was. Uh, it was just unnerving at, at a very inopportune moment for it to, and not have any information. So. Just... But who wants it to be easy, you know? Like, right? <laughs> I don't. That's why I do stand-up, because it's not easy. It's it was such an adventure, and I feel like you, you know, all the pitfalls, like, for when you record your next one, like, you're going to be, ch- you're going to get a little bandolier, keep that phone on you, you know what I mean? Like, you know what to do next time. You're going to look on the floor. Yeah. For a needle, sharp glass. Aluminum that's sticking. I don't know what you're going to on next. <laughs> I won't either. <laughs> Anyways, thank you guys uh, so much for listening. Katie, thank you so much for coming on and uh, talking to me and reliving this uh, this last week with me. It was great. Uh, it was so fun. It was so fun and funny and such a, it was such a Ben Stiller movie at one point where I was just like, are you kidding? Like, are you, like at one point I did laugh because I was like, it's just funny how many things are going wrong at the same time. Um, yeah. After I cried, I laughed, but uh, it was. Oh, we laughed and we cried. <laughs> Make sure you guys are following uh, uh, Katie uh, Hughes. Make sure you're following her. It's at Katie Bruce, like the kind you'd get on your leg if you fell down real hard. Katie Bruce, B-R-U-I-S-E-K-A-T-I-E, at all of the things. Uh, She has an incredible album out that you guys should also listen to, and it's called Queen of the Castle. Yes, Yes. Queen of the Castle. Make sure you get it right. Queen of the Castle. 
Um, you can listen to it on XM Sirius. You, uh, you can listen to it on Spotify. You can listen to it on Pandora. You can listen to it on all the things. Or you can buy it to her, you know? Give her a few dollars. Who doesn't like that? Um, but thank you guys so much for listening. Make sure you guys are subscribed. Tell everybody uh, about uh, uh, me and this. And uh, thank you so much. I'll, uh, I'll talk to you. I'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. 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 <laughs> no, sir, I don't like it. 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 No